You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, we appreciate Brendan Nunez for being with us as well. James is your partner over on the Kings Beat. He's running Sacramento Sports Radio today. Uh, Brendan, we're, we're, we're thrilled that you're here and man, we'll just bring you into these cut. Let's, let's act. I'd actually like to pick up where we just left off. Uh, James, if you don't mind, Brendan, we'll just bring you right into this conversation we've been having about Davion Mitchell. Um, are you happy with the way Davion has played this year? Has he's become expendable to like, wh- where, where are you at with Davion Mitchell right now? I don't feel great about Davion Mitchell and feel bad when these conversations come up because I feel like I'm bashing on him, but I don't think that he's been great. Um, Obviously, defensively, he brings the same thing all the time, right? Definition of a dog, his impact, and I think um, heart can be infectious at times. You're a little limited when you're six foot at what your defensive impact can be, but when it comes to guards, ones and two guards, he's phenomenal there offensively is where some of my concerns start to pop up. I I think that so much of Sacramento's offense is about flow and staying within rhythm and ball movement. And I think he's one of the biggest culprits of kind of stalling that at times. Uh, The impression I get is that just from what we saw at the end of last year, when he looked best is when it was, when he was getting to get a handful of dribbles in each possession and kind of get a rhythm. And sometimes that's hard to do when you're not able to take those same dribbles. Um, I think one of the biggest things is that of all guys on the team shooting at least one wide open three, meaning no defender within six feet of them, Davion has the worst percentage at 32. Second worst is Domas at 34. And then after that, everybody is above 36. You got to be able to hit your wide open threes if you want minutes alongside De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis. Yeah, Brendan, like, do you think, like, because we talked about this, do you think we're too harsh on him? Like, he is a young player, and, you know, like, expectations, roles, everything has kind of changed for him. And, like, how do you judge that part of it? Because it's not like he's out there getting, like, the volume of shots that Malik Monk is getting. I think that it's just going to depend how, like, progress goes into next year. Because as of right now, like... I think maybe expectations were a little too high for him coming into the year after what the end of last season was, because again, that, that context is just unrealistic when he's getting to run 20, 30 pick and rolls a game with, with Damian Jones, both of those guys looked phenomenal and look at where Damian Jones is now. Like, I I think that maybe expectations got a little bit too unrealistic. um, But you know, maybe this isn't the greatest context for him, but also maybe he can continue to adjust to it. So um, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm sometimes I, I, I feel bad, 
but I don't necessarily feel too harsh, if that makes sense. James is lumping in the we. He, it's him. Like, James is really hard on Davion. I, I'm guilty, too. Very. King, King, Kingsbeat.com, home of the, the Davion <laughs> haters. You know what? You, you, you talked about expectation. You know what mine was? Mine was growth. That was my expectation for Davion was, was, was growth this season. And I thought he's going to be significantly more stable under Mike Brown. And I don't maybe the growth isn't just it's just not there on the offensive end maybe it is there on the defensive end maybe it's not there as a complete player i mean this is only like he's only a second year player um i but davion is just one of those guys where i feel like he's really difficult to measure like you have to watch him specifically really closely cuz you can't like turn your eyes away and then look at the box score and go oh davion you know was one of three or something like that. That's just not his game. You have to pay attention to him when you watch him on a broadcast. But e- even at that, I still don't feel like that growth, at least the growth that I was hoping for, I don't feel like that's been there this year. I think Meg makes a good point in the chat that something important to acknowledge. He plays like four-minute stints. Mm. And maybe that's not the exact number, but his the amount of times that he's out there, hardly out there at all, and then gets pulled right back because that's the minutes that De'Aaron is resting, and that's typically the only time he's playing, that could be really tough for a guy, especially somebody that I think is used to getting a handful of dribbles and, and kind of able to get into a rhythm similarly to what we're seeing with Rashawn. Like, I think that's another guy that if he can get in a rhythm, he looks more comfortable in short stints maybe that's more difficult and and some players are better at that than others. Um, So I think that's something that stands out. I think that obviously his impact goes beyond the box score, but I think the biggest thing you can see in the box score is just how many minutes did he play that night? Because if he's having the defensive impact that he's capable of having and still being passable on the offensive end, coach Brown is going to keep him out there. This is the exact type of player that coach Brown should be in love with. But sometimes the offense um, just has its shortcomings. But there's nights where he's playing that that game against Cleveland on the road where they shut Cleveland out at the end of the game. 32 minutes for Davion. He played great in that one. Like there are days where Davion will get a lot of playing time because he is fitting in on offense and still having his defensive impact. Um, But there's other nights where coach goes in other directions. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. Uh, Meg in the chat is just killing it. She she makes a lot of uh, like really strong points. Like he's a sophomore player, age is irrelevant, uh, development is not linear. I agree, but at the same time, we're talking about a twenty four year old that like his uh, his development if it does stall out like this, like he goes from a number nine pick in the draft to like a toss in on a trade like relatively quick if we're looking at like this time next year and we haven't seen some sort of measured improvement um for me i I think one of the biggest issues that i have is that he just doesn't seem to fit and like i'll bring it back to you know another like pint-sized guy that the kings have had in the past and isaiah thomas and like they're clearly polar opposites as far as like their play style but it's almost like for davion to be successful he needs to be the point guard, the guy running everything it's for him to be successful offensively. Now, defensively, he could be successful, but I always felt like that was the problem with Isaiah. It's not that Isaiah can't still get a bucket because I still think that he can. It's that in order for him to work and be maximized, 
you have to kind of just hand everything over to him and just say, okay, it's your team. Go ahead and do what you're going to do. And Davion's not going to get that opportunity. I, I don't think ever. So like he has to, he has to be the one that changes, not the other way around in, in my opinion, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that the just three point shooting is the biggest, most obvious one that I think would help him get more playing time. And with how, much everybody talks up how much of a hard worker he is i think this is a great case study of like how much does that come to fruition for some of these guys like we heard the same thing about buddy healed right Buddy healed still has a lot of shortcomings um and so i i just think if he can start to hit davion mitchell that is uh, more open threes that you could find more minutes for him because defensively he does have a great impact albeit a bit limited being you know i think around six foot like i see him listed at six two like James, would you say he's six two is kind, right? Yeah, I mean that might be where his like his hair goes to, right? On some nights, but no, he's not. I don't think he's six two, right? Like, so I, I think if if he can hit open threes, that that could be the easiest, like most obvious single improvement to get him more minutes. Um, but defensively, you're gr- he's great, but you know, can you even put him on threes at times as six foot? Like, it, it's it's a little tough. Yeah, he get shot over quite a bit. Go ahead, Damian. Uh, Brennan, what do you think Mike and, and Monty and Wes Wilcox in this group are looking for over the next seven days as we head into the trade deadline? I think perimeter defense, for sure. Um, but I, I think more so just another guy that you can rely on. Because right now, I think there's about eight guys, sometimes nine, sometimes seven, that you feel like you can comfortably roll out there and know what you're getting on a nightly basis with some wiggle room, of course, in production for each of those guys, especially as you get deeper down the bench. But like, I've totally talked myself into like a Josh Richardson, for example, I I think just a guy that has been on a lot of good teams, uh, something James Sean and I talked about on the latest Kings beat, uh, but been on a lot of good teams can, he reminds me a lot of Dante DiVincenzo can, can do, enough on the offensive end, hit open shots, put the ball on the ground and be a connector when you need him to and a good, but not great pesky defender. Um, I, I think that Thibault and Baisley are interesting to me. There's times those guys are unplayable on offense at the same time. Um, but there's also times that you need those type of defenders. So um, I, I think more than anything, another guy that you can rely on, but I don't think they're in a position where they need to feel desperate. The only thing I would desperately be trying to do is find something with this $4 million TPE that expires on the seventh, because if you don't use it, then it just goes away for nothing. But outside of that, I don't think there's any need for like desperation or have to do X, Y, or Z. Are you comfortable if this is a team they roll out of the trade deadline with, like they don't make a move? Is that, do you think that that's okay with you? Or do you think like, look, your team has done enough to get you in position. You probably need to make that next step. You probably need to go add depth here and there, whether it's expiring contract guys that are just rentals or you're looking for like a much bigger fit, but it feels like there, there are two ways that you can kind of go here. I'd be fine if it was nothing. I don't know if that's my preference, but like, I think that would say a lot. I think it would speak to the confidence they have in this group And I think they have every right to be confident in this group. Like, you know, two games outside of um, two and a half games outside of the second seed is great. Also, 
course, important to acknowledge four and a half games out of 11th. And even if you just get down to the play-in, anything can happen at that point. So you'd like to solidify yourself more, but I, I just don't think that it's like 100% necessary. That 11th <laughs> is in, in games wise, it doesn't feel like it's that far. Like that's this team has not played anything that resembles uh, an 11 seed all year long. Um, I get all we could do is go by the numbers and we look at how cluttered this Western conference is. And, you know, James and I were talking about earlier, Brendan, with the, 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 uh, the Timberwolves beating the golden state warriors last night that dropped the warriors a couple of spots and put the Timberwolves into the top six for the first time, uh, in a handful of weeks here. I just can't look at this team. That's currently eight games above 500 and be fearful of that 11 spot. Or really at this point, I'm not even fearful of the play in like this team to me has been too good and too consistent uh, to fall back into that group. It would take something awful, in my opinion, and that's obviously an injury to one of the the, the, the main two uh, for them to wind up in that category. Yeah, and, and they've been ridiculously healthy, which I, I think is an underrated aspect of this season. Which is but... a wild sentence considering their all-star is playing with a broken hand. Right, right, but powering through. Yeah. Um, I just will say, I mean, obviously it's injury related, but I don't think the Pelicans thought they would be in the 10th seed at sure. any point this season. Yeah. No, I mean, they sure. lost nine straight. Like, yeah. I don't think they, they thought that they would be in this situation at all, but I think it speaks to like a, a larger question when it comes to the Kings. Like we keep talking about, well, if they lose one of these guys, like, shouldn't that be something that you're addressing right now? Like, that's why, again, I've, uh, I've pushed for Mason Plumley as a guy that I think, fits his style of play he's not going to be sabonis if you lose sabonis but he can still step in and keep the the action going um if you had an emergency whether it be a week or two weeks or you know just a handful of games like clearly if sabonis goes out and he's done for the year your season is pretty much cooked but if you had a guy like this that you could withstand like a an eight game stretch or a five game stretch he can at least carry some of the load and that's not something that I think that they have at this point. Like if we're talking about Rashawn Holmes or Chemezi Metu or moving Trey Lyles over, like it's going to get pretty bleak pretty quick. It does. Um, it, it's hard to, I, like Mason Plumley is obviously a standout name. We've talked about a lot. I think Nas Reed's price seems to have gone up a lot as of late, although he's somebody that's interesting to me. Like is, is Kelly Olynyk a guy? Like they, I guess kind of intrigues me. I don't know if I'm crazy for this, but like if something happens to Domas and he's out for a little while, I don't hate Rashawn being the guy. Like we, we've seen it a little. I think it was that game against the Lakers that he had a, a good performance. He had 16 and 11 in that game. Like I think was more that the than one anything, Domas though, missed? Was that the yes. one Domas was out? Yes. I, I think more than anything, though, you just can't play the same style. And maybe that's not what the coaching staff wants, but it might be what's necessary if Domas isn't out there. I think it took the Kings time to figure that one out. It uh, they they had to adjust and play uh, a different way. Uh, Jason Anderson is reporting that De'Aaron Fox is out for Friday's game against the Indiana Pacers due to personal reasons. Well, I think we probably know what that means. Yeah, right? it's probably not too difficult to put one plus one together, but uh, that's 
not what's out there, so we'll just report what Jason Anderson just tweeted. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is out for Friday's game against the Indiana Pacers uh, due to personal reasons. So uh, best wishes to, to De'Aaron and, and the family, and hopefully that means what we all think that it means. Uh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Brendan. Obviously, that's a, it's, 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 it's a big deal right there. But I, I think with the Lakers game, it, it, they eventually adjusted to Rashawn. Right, like they, I think they tried to. To your point, I think they tried to play. Like, like, like it was Domas out there, and then there was some point where I think they they called timeout. I don't remember if it was at the beginning of the second or the end of the first, and it, it was clear someone said, "Hey, this isn't working," and they started running some things that made a little bit more sense uh, for Rashawn Holmes, and like that's kind of how they adjusted. That's fine with Domas being out a game or potentially being out games. It's probably more difficult to do if you're putting Rashawn in and you're kind of switching up the whole game plan for like a couple minutes. Right. I, I think sort of similarly to just why we've seen there's a need for a backup center because Rashawn playing 12, 15 minutes uh, just doesn't seem to have the same effect as him playing 25 on a night. Like I, I think that getting in a rhythm – and a sense of confidence um, is obviously big for him. And th- there's, you know, I guess a handful of guys that are intriguing for that backup spinner spot, but I don't, I just don't know how many there really are. Like Plumlee's obviously the standout. I mentioned Olenek, I think fits that a little, uh, but how many really are there that like can even try to replicate Domas's style? Obviously not his production, but his style of running through him. It, it's just, it, it's so unique. I mean, I don't know how many teams are surviving their best player going down. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, like I've, a lot of people are make like in the, in the chatty house, you throwing out names and stuff like Myers Leonard, like the guy hasn't no. played in the league for a no. year and a half. And Just he also no. is, is counter to like what the King's culture that they're purporting to like hold sacred. Um, that that's probably not going to happen. Uh, there are some players in the league outside of Mason Plumlee that I think can they can help out and help allow you to still run some of the stuff you're doing. Um, but at the end of the day, like it's going to be really tough either way. Like e- either the Kings need to go all in and like add some some quality depth here, um, or they need to look at like how are you going to get through the rest of the season if you do have something major happen. And um, you know you can't really rely on any of that. You, you know you're throwing darts at a dartboard like hoping that you're going to come up with something if uh you know if you lose one of your big your big two guys so i, I think it's hard um or you like, go for something like darius Baisley that's been floated around right that's a young backup five that you can try to mold into what you want but that's more of like a future move in my mind than immediate impact yeah he's more of a four than a five and, and but I get what you're saying. Um, he's a guy that you know maybe can play long Domas for a bunch of minutes. I, I like I like that idea though, the player archetype idea where you're bringing in a couple of guys and saying, okay, how does this look? And and like in the final 25 games of the season, if I'm looking over the bench and I've got Trey Lyles or some guy who hasn't played for me and who's only played in OKC and only played on ridiculously bad OKC teams. Um, I might not want to like turn to that guy either way. It might just be like looking and seeing what you have in practice. If you're looking at a guy like, uh, like Baisley, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And I think you mentioned, uh, Nawara on the last pod as well. I think that's a similar 
idea, not the same player archetype, but when it comes to just getting a young guy, getting him in your system, seeing what you have, and then would you want to move forward from there? Yeah. You called your shot a couple of days ago. Um, not the best start to February, but Keegan certainly had a brilliant January, and you know, to just give that man the uh, Rookie of the Month award or honor or trophy or whatever it is now, uh, and he received that today alongside Paolo Bancaro. Uh, Keegan really had a tremendous uh, January. He, he's, he's something he's, – he's a player, Brendan, where – we were watching him play, and he had like he. I think he he set career high in rebounds on cons- in, in consecutive games. He had the twenty nine point night, and it's like, man, look at his growth within this one year. Like, what's what's Keegan gonna look like next year, and what's he gonna look like in 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 year number three? Uh, he has been better than advertised, uh, I think, this season, and that month of January uh, encapsulated it perfectly. Yeah, he was great in December, but I think it was in the style that we kind of all expected when he's talked about as a high floor player, expected to contribute fairly early in his career. January, there were flashes of like, okay, maybe this is different Mm -hmm. to your point. And I, I was somebody that admittedly put some of that low floor label on Keegan and the aggressiveness attacking the rim, I think was one of the biggest and like, I don't really care that he went 0 for 8 yesterday. He tried to poster somebody. Like, that in itself is such a good thing for Keegan. I loved seeing that. Um, and, you know, defensively, there's still progress to be made. We saw that moment with Coach Brown pointing something out to him in a timeout. Um, but when it comes to the finishing at the rim and the rebounding progress that we've seen from Keegan for him to average almost six rebounds in the month of January after really struggling to do that early in the year is huge. And and coach Brown talked about, I I wrote about Keegan recently and there are quotes in there of coach Brown talking about like the pull-up game that Keegan has and how much faith he has in, he he thinks he's going to be such a good pull-up shooter. And I think this is where the Chris Middleton comp comes back in that we've seen flashes of it in the game and clearly coach has seen even more of it in practice. Like that handle is to me, what's going to be the outlier of how good Keegan can be on the offensive end. Yeah. We're seeing him grow. Like to me, it's, it's really fun to watch Keegan, like explore who he can be as a player at the NBA level. Um, Like early in his career, of course, he's going to be like more of a three point spot shooter, but as the season's progressing and we're watching this offense grow organically, it seems like there's only more and more opportunities for him to show what he can do. Um, you know, I, I think we're all like coming in, we're all like slightly concerned about his, uh, his ceiling as a player. And I know the Kings like scoff at that. They, they think that he's got as high a ceiling as anyone else. Um, but I think it's interesting what we're seeing, how he's progressed. Do you think as of right now, like we're seeing that Paolo is way up here as far as statistically and Keegan is way down here. Um, but I go back to like the Grant Hill, Jason Kidd year where, um, they split the, the rookie of the year trophy, um, down the middle, they just used a saw and cut it in half. Um, but like when you're looking at it, is the, the rookie of the year race over, or do you think it's possible because Keegan is playing on a, on a really good team and playing Re, like meaningful minutes or Paolo's playing on a bad team that you could see a way where a guy averaging 20 and a guy averaging maybe 12 or 13 actually split the vote. I think you need to see 
that rebounding be a lot more consistent? Like if that, if that number wasn't so low at the beginning of the year, you're sitting at 4.5 right now. I know that's not super low, but like to your kid point, I think the rebounds and assists were there on top of the scoring um, and not quite there with Keegan. It, it's borderline impossible in my mind for him to catch Palo. And I think that speaks more to how great Palo has been as a rookie rather than trying to downplay Keegan or anything like that. But it, it seems like a pretty tough, race to catch up on when not only are you getting beaten points, you're getting beat in rebounding, you're getting beat in assists and the percentages from Palo aren't good, but they're not like disgusting to look at or anything. Yeah, no, it's not happening. Like Palo's <laughs> Palo's the truth. Like Palo's next. Like he, he is the absolute truth. He, he, he's winning rookie of the year. And I, I think there were some people who were trying to argue like, Oh, Keegan Murray isn't even going to finish second. I, I think he's going to. Um, it's probably down to him and Benedict Matherin. I've seen some ridiculous things. He said Keegan's the fifth or sixth best rookie, uh, which is just absurd. Um, oh no, if, that's wild. If yeah. he, if he's not second, he's 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 third. But I'm pretty confident uh, he's second. Brandon, you're number one, man. We appreciate you, <laughs> uh, Brandon Nunez, the King's Pulse Podcast, the King's Beat Podcast. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 